Hi, this episode was recorded a few months back and is just now arriving through the 2020 time vortex. We are back on our normal recording schedule, so brand new content is just around the corner. Happy listening. Well, she fed me, so I feel like I'm like the best baby bird. My baby birds. Hi, do you want another She buggy? did not baby bird me, though. Open wide. Another buggy? <clears throat> That's what mama birds do to their baby birds. Puke on them? They puke in their mouths. I know. You know. I've seen Ace Ventura. I know. <laughs> That's... Hey there, little guy. You look a little hungry. Welcome, everyone, to the Outpost Podcast. Welcome to the Outpost Podcast. You've joined us here. We're happy to have you. And who are we? Me, Lacey, and me, we, me, Tom, and me, 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 Derek, and Faso Lati Do, Mark. That's not how it goes, is it? Faso Lati Da, not Do. Uh, Am I wrong? Do Who's right? Faso Lati Do, Ray, a drop of golden sunbeam. <laughs> Which is it? Tom, don't close your eyes and roll them like that. A long, long way to run. We don't have an answer. So, a needle pulling thread. How long could we listen to Derek sing for? And it brings you back to do, oh, 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 Yeah, it ends oh. in do. It does. So he yeah. was right and I was wrong. Yeah. Memorize that. Let's move on to community questions, Let's shall we? Let's move past <laughs> that moment. Hated it. Derek wants to give Tom a little spotlight. So, Tom, you're on the community questions Spotlight today. has been Thank moved. Thank you, Derek. Isn't it sweet? It's really sweet and sticky. Okay. <laughs> what snack are you hooked on right now? We'll start with... Oh, Lacey. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Imagine that. I think the brand is Ritz, but they're not crackers. They're like cooked like chips. Ritz they're chips. very thin and airy and Ritz oh, chips. so crispy. Ritz chips. And I've just been having the bag open next to me while I'm working or in meetings or all the time and just eating a meeting. And at a certain flavor. point, you feel like you're really not getting anything. So you eat like 17 of them all squished together. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think cheddar and sour cream Ooh, those are good. is mm-hmm. my flavor of choice. The sour that's- cream and chive, I think, is the one. Maybe that's what it is. That's the best one. That's the one it is because it's got the little green herbs and in it. And they're just so crunchy. Ooh. And they're like a little sweet, but a little salty. So crunchy. Like me. A little sweet, but a little salty. A little? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's 2020. A lot of salty. How about you, Mark? Well, I've been going with plain rice cakes, and that's as boring as it sounds. Are they salted? They are unsalted. Oh, However, so that's really the only question. Uh, with rice no, I'm looking at the package now, and they clearly say lightly salted. Oh, 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 your BS secrets okay. told <laughs> on the Outpost salted. podcast. <laughs> if I ever feel a little too lightly salted, though, I will bring out a little Chex Mix, which is something I haven't been doing in years because the sodium is a thing. I would like everybody's opinion on the brown chip of. Chex Mix. Oh, it's great. The, the rye. rye. The rye chip. That's the yeah. best. Right. That's yeah. my favorite one in the it's entire so bag. It's so dense and crunchy yes. and a good, good I saw flavor. a thing online yesterday, yesterday, sometime recently, which I guess <laughs> yesterday, that was like yesterday. railing against that yeah. rye chip. No. That rye chip is the best part. That's, that's a crime. thing. To, yeah. to, get mean, rid literally. of the pretzel if you're going to get rid it of anything. It was the first thing I responded to on Facebook in like two weeks, and I responded <laughs> With great How vigor. Dare you. <laughs> Why are there two different pretzels in there? Get rid of one of them. They don't both deserve a spot. Just I agree. Get rid of all the pretzels. Oh, and yeah. Replace yeah. them with rye stuff. Yes. Oh, yes. I buy the bags of Gardetto <laughs> rye chips all the time. They have that. They have an I'm individual. I'm so glad bag. we're all on the same page about this and I can yes. still respect you guys. <laughs> yes. Right, right. 
Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad we aired that out. Who's right concerned? Yeah. There's no For fighting. Me, I don't understand. Jar of jumbo green olives with jalapenos in them. Start again. That's okay. my snack. Green olives with jalapenos in them. Are they pickled or something? Well, like, just, you know, like brine. you get olives in the brine and uh, from okay. Costco with uh-huh. garlic and jalapenos in them. Oh, yeah. And you snack on them. The best mm-hmm. part is Gross. my desk is with an eye shot of the kitchen, and Tom <laughs> will just walk by casually <laughs> and he'll stop, he'll open up the fridge, <laughs> sometimes leave the fridge open out of desperation, <laughs> crack open his jar of olives and just eat them and stand there staring blankly them? at the wall. Wait, wait, true. wait. It's absolutely when Does he eat them with true. his fingers? Does he use a fork? Does he pour them into his mouth? It's What's It's a really process? big jar. It is a very big jar. It so does require utensils. It does. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. It's classy. It's it sad depends. and classy. If it's fairly full, he can get his phalanges in there and he'll <laughs> dig them out with his built-in tongs. But every <laughs> once in a while. Tom-tongs. Yeah. Tom-tongs. Tom-tongs. <laughs> No, I will say I'm extremely jealous every time he does that because I love... You can have some. You can have some, Derek. It's a like nine-gallon jar of the community. (laughs) Derek, what's your favorite spooky movie? Favorite spooky movie? Well, it is almost spooky season, and spooky season is my favorite season. Why? It's my one time to be spooky and not be judged for it. You got a dark side, huh? Oh. Have you met our Lord Derek? (laughs) (laughs) If I could live in spooky time 365 days a year, I do, and I would. Derek, from now on, part of his like uniform here is going to be like a vampire's cowl that he wears around. Oh, that'd be I, cool. I would love it. I, would yeah. really I want like you to that. like come in and hang up your coat and then put on your cowl like some weird Mr. Rogers. Do not talk to me. <laughs> no, I mean, if you look at my desk... I have a very cutely illustrated, like it sits like a family portrait on my desk yeah. of Michael Myers holding a knife. It's true. Mm. That is true. That's true. I've and seen you do that. There's a bunch of like Donald Duck with dead eyes. Blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. But um, so what's your favorite? Favorite spooky mm-hmm. movie. I love Hocus Pocus. I was going to guess Hocus Pocus. You were? Yes. <laughs> That's a movie? Oh, yes. 100%. And it is a travesty. The Rotten Tomatoes only has it at like 38%. Isn't that what's great about Hocus Pocus, kind though? Of. Is that people campy. love Hocus Pocus and it's absurd. Is yeah. that like Beetlejuice? I do love Beetlejuice. It's in the same vein of like... Beetlejuice is better. This is stupid. So your favorite I'm is watch Hocus it every it's year. It's endearing. Yeah. <laughs> your favorite it's is like Hocus Pocus, town. but Beetlejuice is better? My favorite spooky movie. How many okay. of your favorite things are... There's not something better. There's nothing better than my favorites. Oh. I have a different definition of favorite means like the best. My like official kickoff movie of Spooky Season is always Hocus Pocus. Is like it? that is just what it's like flips the switch. Who's in that? Bette Midler, Kathy Ninjami, Ninjami, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah, Sarah Jessica. <laughs> I'm really Sarah Jessica Darker. That one from the City Sex Show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. It. They filmed Halloween Town in the town that I grew up. In St. Helens? Yeah. I didn't know you grew up there. Yes. That's awesome. That's, that's my movie so theater spooky. full of skeletons. That's so cool. Spooky. I, I like that. I love spooky. Mark, what's your favorite spooky, spooky movie? Skeletons. I don't know. Okay, spooky Lacey, movies? what's your... None. Yeah, move on. None? I don't like spooky things Why don't? Okay, much. I want to break this. Why don't you like spooky things? I am a light bringer. Get your darkness away from me. But I would say, can you appreciate the light more? I can appreciate that you like the spooky things. What is light without darkness? Where do you think you shine your light? Into the light? 
I yeah, listen. There has to, I, it has to redundant. exist. The question, <laughs> the question was, what's your favorite spooky movie? None. I have none favorite. That's fair. Touche. She Hocus beat us with words. <laughs> it's, it's like lighthearted. It's fine. It's spooky. It's but very like, much it's, a kid's I wouldn't movie. choose yeah. to watch it. Like There's dances I, and everything. Yeah. Sixth Sense hit pretty hard when back in the day when it came out the first time. I That's thought that true. was that was spooky. really scary. Like, it's not a horror. No, it's, it's just spooky. it was spooky, right? I don't That's like true. horror movies. I like spooky movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was spooky when it came out when I watched it the first time. And, and I, Bette Miller just drops a sick rendition of. We're I, still I on focus. focus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> calm down. Zombies are dancing. <laughs> I like all. 1950s monster movies really? like universally you name them i love them mm. i haven't seen them all the because the there is an lagoon. unlimited number of them i like the thing mm-hmm. the 80s version mm-hmm. that's all nasty Excellent. and the 50s version John the Carpenter. howard hawks one and i really like one of my very favorite movies ever is a hitchcock movie called notorious with that like isn't at all what you would think of as being like a horror movie but it just is dark mm-hmm. and I'm gloomy. I'm with you on Hitchcock. Any of the Hitchcock stuff, I think, is spooky, but like psychological. Well, and he has know. different eras of it too. Like he has the American ones that are more like flashy, almost horror. But then he has his old school ones that are like psychological, which mm-hmm. Notorious is one of. Here's what I think you guys would like too, but Lacey would hate Pan's Labyrinth. I love Pan's Labyrinth. I can't. It's, it's too heavy for me to watch repeatedly. Yeah, but every time I do watch it. The scene with I the hands and the it. eyes. Oh, it's and all so that. creative. Yeah. Everything he does is creative. My mom recently made me watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh. Which one? The original mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a really interesting piece. Yeah. Actually, pretty much all versions of that movie are good. That's a good movie, too. Mm-hmm. See, see, those old quote unquote horror monster movies are mm-hmm. where it's at, for mm-hmm. sure. That. And Hocus Pocus. Yes. <laughs> I put a spell on you. Magically, let's go to the next question. Because <laughs> you're mine. Derek. Yes. If you could choose one person from any point in history for the person to your right to have dinner with, <laughs> who would it be? <laughs> this is a very creative question. That's how it is. I, I like know. it. Wonderful. I'm really pleased with it. I wish I had a better answer for it. I know. I My I immediate thing was like Hannibal Lecter. Sorry. Thanks. So, <laughs> Seth Godin. Yeah. Dang. I'll take you on that. Yep. Solid answer. 100%. Are we going around with this? I have to pick sure. one for Lacey should. now. I wish and I what's the exact wording of the question? One so person? It's a twist on the, like, if you could have dinner with any one person from history, who would it be? Okay. But it's you're picking for the person to your right. Okay. Oh, man. Go counterclockwise. Or go clockwise. Because I need to think about this one for Lacey. Like, okay. There well, are so many things that I know you, she would want, but... I don't think the yield would be the same as if somebody else chose for her. Should I go for Derek then? Should we just yeah. be weird about this? Yeah, let's be okay, weird I'll about it. I'll go for Derek and I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to say Tom Hanks and you're welcome. Oh, yes. I would I love think, that. What about Derek? We could Walt Disney. That'd be that was what I was going to say. For Derek? Air, Air five. five. Walt Disney, I definitely have. But Tom Hanks hmm. might, might edge it out a little bit more for me. Also, I mean, Meryl Streep would also be. Oh, that's see if I thought for five more seconds I'd have gotten there. <laughs> I would love we know one for three Tom. Of oh, that's <laughs> right. The it's circle. me. Tom's a monster. Look at him. Look mm. at his eyes. He's so cute. Look at him, though. That's all. That's would it be some sort of writer? Would it, would it be a writer of some sort? Some Neil sort Gaiman. Of, oh, that would be great. Yeah. Neil Gaiman would be a good one for mm-hmm. him. And we have to be at dinner, way. or can I be like tucked into bed and he's just reading to me? <laughs> we will allow that. Perfect. That's excellent. 
That's, That's how I would want Tom Hanks to be in my life. Mm-hmm. Give me like Sacagawea or something. Right Give me a, a really great Native American woman. If I could be in any historical time period, that's where I would like to be. And if would you want to be having dinner or doing something other activities? Running right? barefoot through the cornfields. Oh, I want to do that now too. Like to do. That sounds wonderful. That sounds like a spooky movie. Oh, honestly, interesting. I've children seen of the signs. corn. I know how this I just, goes. Children of the corn just happened. To I was thinking mm-hmm. like Blue Corn Moon, but you know, <laughs> Children of the Corn with Sacagawea. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got, Tom? How many upcoming Kickstarters do you have planned, mm. and how many of those could we guess? The first answer was how many can you count? Okay, we have I a million a ideas. Okay, I can Planned. count. That's not a fair answer. I feel like I can count three that are planned, semi-planned. Let me do some finger work here. I know that's what I'm doing too. <laughs> overheard. There's at, le- there's at least three, and right. if they can guess, mm-hmm. I would say they would guess at least two of those. Mm-hmm. But I'm say they five. would have no idea. Yeah, f- I mean, for sure. What was their time frame? No, I think the gist the of the question future? is like, what you got in going? our What's current in the like planning? Mm-hmm. What are we building around? Mm-hmm. And how many of those could they guess? I would say two. Yeah, two out of four would be the what I would say. You like say we, five. That fifth one's on the on the fringe back burner. I like yeah. that idea. If we were gonna do like in twenty twenty one, if we were gonna do like, you know, maybe twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. If in we the, had in five Kickstarters years. in the next two years, they could probably guess half of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think they can guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything associated with our current I mean, IPs. You know, a new vindication Kickstarter that we've already announced. Mm-hmm. Yes. A potential unsettled follow-up, which right. is mm-hmm. pretty much a given, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the ones they could guess. And then, then you're then you're ready for being shocked. And then they two, have no idea what's coming. Two point five new products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they will blow your mind. I'm so excited. <laughs> we love products. <laughs> things. Oh, things. That was it. Okay. There we go. That was a good mailbag. I love that. All right, let's move on. Ready for some transition music into the main topic. Yes, we are. Nailed Yay, Derek. Yay. Thank you. The main reason I have gathered us four all here today is to talk about a very important topic. Us four all. Now. <laughs> listen, Tom. Wait a minute. <laughs> listen. The topic is listening. Now you get it. I knew they were going to say something. I love setting things up for people. <laughs> You just, you just like took the it's not that I just blunder into stuff. It's that I carefully am annoying. <laughs> That's like my whole life. I feel like I am carefully annoying. Carefully, my that whole needs life. to be a shirt you wear. <laughs> carefully annoying. So listening is, you know, one half of communication. Okay. So often, so many of us are so focused on what we say and how what we say is taken and how important what we say is, and we are not often thinking as much about how important listening is. I'm not saying anything about specifically these people in this Then why group. are you staring at them so pointedly? <laughs> I can feel the heat from your eyes. So I want to just open up the topic today kind of broadly about listening as a whole. So as I brought up this topic, you know, what came up for you when I said, let's talk about listening? Well, so many things in this culture. I think it's you can't listen to everything. And so being Mm. selective about what you listen to is really important. I think we've touched a little bit on that in the past. I'm finding it to be like the busier you get and the more things that you're responsible for and the more that you want to accomplish. I think the more selective you have to be. Two things happen. Number one, you have to be more selective, but it's hard to create space to listen 
specifically to your own thoughts and be reflective, listen, you know, to your own voice of intuition or your own voice of creativity or your own voice of, I need to take care of myself right now instead of grind. Mm -hmm. The first thing that came into my mind is like, gosh, I probably should just relax and listen a little bit more. Mm -hmm. At a base level, I think our culture also has a very loud voice. Like as a culture, we, us, all of us worldwide have a voice, especially right now. Culturally, things are crazy and listening isn't the first instinct that I think people have. People want to be heard right now. Understood, seen. Understood, seen. And it's very difficult for people to breathe in that when you feel so much emotion pushing you to be heard, seen, those types of things. And it's true of everybody. So that observation is there, you know. It's really interesting because you think about what we have now and we're like a very reactive kind of society right now. And so and like the tools, like everybody has a platform, everybody can express their opinion. It amplifies that over sitting back and if listening. If you're Tom, it's not just opinion, it's just clearly stated fact. That you're <laughs> right. That's right. Expressing. But yeah, some, I, I think it's some that's people's kind of opinions are just better than others. <laughs> <laughs> and also knowing when to listen is the other thing. That's that's what I thought mm-hmm. about when you mentioned that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, when is the right time to listen and when is the right time to talk? And some of that is just intuition and being aware of your situation and what's going on. But knowing when to listen is an extremely important part of that. I really like that because some people will default to listening when they're afraid to act. Mm-hmm. And earlier in my life, I would take that position when I didn't have confidence. And so I would justify it by saying, well, I'm just going to listen and I'm going to watch. And really what I think for me, a lot of that time was then I can't have any blame on me because, you know, that was a safe place. Mm -hmm. But listening and acting, like they're both necessary, like taking action and moving forward there's a time to listen and then there is a time to do something about mm-hmm. it. And I think that's an interesting reflection. Yeah. I think this episode is going to be a big, confusing and interesting mix of us saying, listen more and listen less. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 100%. <laughs> which is true. Mm-hmm. And it's about knowing when to do which I think one thing I try to be more aware of with myself, just in like to bring it really small for a second is on like just person to person conversations. When someone else is talking, ask myself, am I actually listening to this person or am I just thinking about what I'm going to say next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The moment that I feel that compulsion that like, Oh, 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 mm -hmm. you know what that's actually saying is what I have to say is more important than what you're Mm -hmm. saying right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think on a larger scale, that same question to myself deserves to be asked about me in relation to culture and me Mm -hmm. in relation to my whole community and social media and like trying to be much more mindful about just listening to what other people are saying and expressing because everyone is trying really hard to express themselves. And maybe if we were listening a little bit more to each other, instead of just waiting for our moment to scream, Mm -hmm. like this compulsion wouldn't need to be so extreme. Yeah. You know what response I've been practicing a lot lately? It goes like this. Okay. That's it. Who have I been practicing on it the most? My children, right? My children are saying something. I dropped them back off to their dad's house the other day and they go, oh, I can't wait to tell dad we didn't have any big arguments this week. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, like, do I have to defend everything that is being said because I feel defensive? No. What I say now doesn't necessarily mean anything. I can just 
let, let that go. one go. You know, I don't have to control that one. Talk to my counselor about it. But after that, we'll be fine. Because <laughs> right now, obviously, we're in an election year right now. And I, I think that's what people run into is when somebody is, you know, states an opinion and it's attacked or questioned or brought into question, a lot of people's instinct is to immediately lob that bomb right back at them. And they might be right. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And they might be wrong, too. But the point is, you know, sometimes it's better to say, okay, and move on. Mm -hmm. There may not be a right and wrong. It might just be a difference of opinion. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's where listening comes in, too, right? Exactly. Maybe that's the opportunity where you listen, you say, okay, thank you for your opinion. Probably no need to lob bombs of any kind. If we just listened and agreed to disagree. Or just even like just expressing like in more, what's our clear terms. We'll just use that for an example about what you're trying to express. Because maybe they just, they've read that. And this applies obviously to anything. But maybe they've read something or they've heard you say something that was completely different from what you were told. So people's gut instinct is to fire back and say, that's not what I meant. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But instead, maybe their reaction should be. Let me explain it to you in a different way because mm-hmm. maybe there's just a disconnector. What are some other contexts of listening you were thinking about when you brought this topic up? I want to speak a little bit about times when I know that I almost listen too much. When I get into a, a bit more of a pleaser mentality and, oh my God, I love it when you have that kind of bodily reaction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was that a bomb lob back at you? Okay. Okay. Oh. oh, oh no. Oh, through like we're in an okay loop. Both of your annoyances heard. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I hadn't tapped into the skill of listening to myself very well. I was very busy trying to please other people a lot of the time. And so through most of my 20s, I would just act on what other people wanted and I would listen and I would act. I've been a great listener most of my life. I can listen, I can act, I can follow. But it ended up turning a lot of resentment, like having resentment start growing and building inside of me. Is that something that you guys have experienced too over time? Is this kind of growing resentment if you don't give voice? You know, if you maybe listen too much? I think so. I think I would probably describe it a little differently, but I I connect with what you're saying. Definitely. So what are you doing now that's different? What I'm modeling right there, instead of having to feel like I have to immediately react or respond to something, I have been training myself to be able to take that moment to almost just a deep breath, you know, to introspect instead of just shouting out what I think somebody might want to hear or what might sound good. That's what one of my counselors told me is that, Lacey, you can polish up things pretty well. You can say just about anything and I might believe you, but is it true? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that Steve Jobs is an example of a good listener. Okay. But, and obviously a complicated guy. Mm-hmm. But I have always been super fascinated with the video. It's early on when he had just went back to Apple and he was doing some big Q&A with this crowd. And someone asked him a question that was very like negative and aggressive against him. Mm-hmm. And they finished the question and he just sat there and thought and didn't say a dang word for like a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like 40 minutes. Like it was the most weird, like the most silence awkward held thing in of a all group. time. Mm-hmm. And then he started answering and what was coming out was a little bit defensive. And then he stopped himself mm-hmm. immediately and then sat there for another like 20 seconds. 
and then delivered like the best response possible to that question. Mm-hmm. And like I've thought about that a lot over yeah. the years since I wow. first thought it because it's like I want to be that person that like takes the time and just sits there and thinks, regardless of how awkward it might. Yeah, make just other people think feel. for a second. Hmm. Before I respond, that's Listen, evidence. Think, respond. That's evidence that it's a discipline, mm-hmm. right? I think you can be a good listener even if you hate it, and the more you do it, I think the easier it becomes, and the less you hate it. But that's me talking from my own experience. I have not been a good listener most of my life. I'll just say that right now. I'll just put myself out there. And being a parent, it's really hard to listen to your kids when you feel like you're the one that is trying to guide them and have them come up. But I think you can do that better if you listen, because for me as a parent, looking through my lens of experience kind of seems to shield me from what actually is happening from their perspective. Mm. And I can't empathize as well if I do that. So if I take the time to listen a little bit more, I find that I'm better at parenting. And I think you can just take that example and just broadcast it to every other part of your life, you know, being a better coworker, being a better supervisor or, you know, sister or brother or, you know, son, daughter, whatever. It's interesting the blinders that I think you have if you don't commit to the time to give other people a voice. That's really what you're doing when you're not listening is not giving other people a voice. Well, and, and that's hard. And technically, I mean, give, I don't like that word because you don't have the power to give or take away their ability to use their voice. I think even behind listening is respect, right? It's like this respect of people being their own individuals, you being your own individual, that collective respect. Honoring their voice. Yes. Yeah. Honoring more than giving. No offense. Well, you can steal their voice, though. That's what I'm saying. You can steal their opportunity to be. And so, yeah, you're right. It's not a gift, but it's an honoring. You can steal their opportunity. Mm-hmm. You may speak in my presence. <laughs> I haven't heard that being called like sucking all the. We already out of the speak room. outside of your mm. presence. So, it's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> sorry, Derek. Okay. We weren't listening. <laughs> we weren't listening. <laughs> Another thing that I wanted to touch on is, you know, it's actually kind of been trendy lately to talk about how much you as a company or a brand listen to your community. And there's always a point where something that is a real value, like listening to a community can be taken and used almost as a tool or a strategy. And I think that I've been seeing that in the industry that we're in quite a bit. Have you guys seen that as well? Very much. Mm Mm-hmm. I think this is where we start getting into listening to ourselves okay, Mm -hmm. and listening to our own instincts, listening to what we know and what makes this group of people and our perspective and our dreams and our hopes and our beliefs unique. And I think that it is important to listen to your community and it is important to honor the community and give the community a voice. Because I think ultimately the only reason we are here is because we have a community who identify with what we are putting out there and it's important to hear what they have to say. I think the other side of that coin though is that to do something truly special, which I think everyone here wants to do, we have to give the community a platform and a voice, but also lead it. 
Mm. And I think that's a fine line to walk to know, and Mark can speak to this too, to know the difference between listening and respecting the community and just giving everyone what they want as opposed to really looking at the heart of the community and identifying what is it that everyone needs that they don't even know that they want because they've never had it before. Ooh, yeah. And that's where innovation we get is. there. Yeah. Yeah. Listening and being beholden to are very different things. I, you know, when you have some type of physical ailment, it's probably best to listen to the doctor and not hammer Facebook with a question about your symptoms and let all your friends and family tell you how to diagnose that with basically no, you know, no authority, <laughs> you know, go to your attorney with the legal issues, you know, go to your CPA with the financial questions. Who you listen to is a decision that you get to make. And when you listen to them is a decision that you get to make. And listening to everybody all the time is a mistake, in my opinion, Well, because they're not qualified. What's interesting is, you know, listening to their words, maybe, but there's something beyond words, usually, that people are trying to communicate. And can you listen further? Can you listen deeper? Can you listen harder than mm -hmm. to just the words that they're saying to better understand what's happening underneath of the words? This is what we talk about when we're doing playtesting, mm -hmm. is when you give us feedback for playtesting, don't try to solve it. Tell us what you're experiencing. Tell us what you're feeling. Tell us what your problem is. Tell us what isn't working in your experience. And we will solve it because that's our job. Mm -hmm. But what understanding people's desires and their motivations is different than just doing what they're telling you to do right? as a company. Yeah. I think you should do this, right? You hear that a lot, every possible. And 99 times out of 100, it's something a different company has done that they liked. Mm-hmm. No, Which, no, no, you're talking about anything though. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to lose weight. Oh, I think you should do this. Like this is my sister-in-law did this. And like, it has no relevance to what your life is like and what you're facing and what your That's story very is. True. And I think it's true of all kinds of different professions, right? Like you trust different people with different information. And I don't think every single person in every instance is worthy of listening deep. I choose who those things are because my time is limited. I do think, however, when you commit, to this is the person I'm going to listen to, you should probably give them your full attention and look even behind the words. Because sometimes the words don't come out right. We know that. Mm -hmm. But the intent is there. And if you wait for it and are patient enough, sometimes you might learn something. I know one thing, like at Blue Blaze is specifically one thing that we try to do more of is position ourselves more as problem solvers than designers. Mm. Getting to the root of what their problem is. Because we can solve it with design. We just need to know what the problem is. And they need to tell us the problem, and then we can diagnose and then provide solutions through design to solve said problem. Yeah, an example of this is sometimes a client will try to be really helpful and they tell us how we should solve a design problem, yeah. right? But they we don't want to know what you need. They, have no, they want to know what problem you want to solve. They have no background on how to change the typography, right? Mm -hmm. They say change the font or do this and make the logo bigger, add this, move this around. Those are attempts to help, but ones that, you know, in that instance, they're just not qualified to help for. In fact, that's why they hired us. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing, too, is that what we really want to do is solve the problem. We don't want to be told what to do because that's not what you're hiring us for at the end of the day. You're hiring us to solve the problem, and then we'll solve that through design. Yeah. And there is a collaboration. Like, I'll just extend this example beyond client, you know, agency relationship or client business relationship. I mean, 
there is a collaboration necessary to solve the problem, right? We can't have a client come to us and we can't solve the problem without getting the information that they have because they're in it every day and they have the keys and the information that we need Mm -hmm. to do our job. So the listening is required. It's the balance of listening versus taking action. And at what point does this happen kind of, I think, deepens that whole conversation. One of the biggest changes in my communication pattern in my life happened when I read a book called Nonviolent Communication. And it actually doesn't have to do with real violence. It's basically like how to communicate with other living things. Okay. And it's written by a guy who helped in diplomatic discussions between like warring countries and that kind of thing. And what he teaches is a really simple way to go, okay, the words you just say, you say, okay, it sounds like you're feeling this and maybe you're needing this. So are you hoping that I could do this? So you're taking what they say and you're trying to break it down into feelings, needs, and requests. The number of times that I've actually argued since I've learned that communication, except for with my children, because like, come on, (laughs) but like with adults, you know, if my mom comes to me with a concern and she's kind of, you know, upset, I'm like, okay, it sounds like you're very frustrated because I'm not following the rule that you set. So it sounds like this is the rule that you would like me to follow. Is that correct? And usually she can just go, yes. And I go, okay. You know? See, I like that because that's actual listening Mm-hmm. And then using that to lead somewhere. Yes. As opposed to just doing what other people are saying or asking you to do, which isn't even necessarily listening. You're not really hearing them. You're not hearing the heart behind it. You're just responding. And, and it usually is very disarming when someone does feel seen. Mm -hmm. For instance, you know, I've got kind of rowdy children, right? And they're playing somewhere. And I had a neighbor come over like, hey, your kids shouldn't be out here doing it. And I'm like, oh, wow. It sounds like you're really concerned about their safety. You know, thank you. You know, and so actually seeing to the root, even though I disagree with what they're saying and asking me to do, maybe if I can see what the root is of why they're saying anything in the first place, then usually we can have a constructive dialogue. Mm -hmm. This is like, if you read How to Win Friends and Influence People, Mm -hmm. which everyone should because Mm -hmm. it's still incredibly viable, but most of the points, and this isn't to diminish the points at all, but most of them boil down to some variation of just listen to people and shut up. Mm -hmm. Like You will be able to do so much more and have so much more influence and be so much more effective at whatever you're trying to do if you just shut up for a little bit and hear everybody else in any context. So I also want to talk about things that we shouldn't listen to, because I know that I hear a lot of things throughout my day and in the communities that I'm a part of that if I chose to listen to would make me unhappy, would stress me out more, would, you know, be quite divisive and polarizing. So are you experiencing that in your life a lot too, being selective about who and what you're listening to? I would say just before we get granular on it, just from a 10,000 foot view, just listen to less. Mm. I think that at least for myself has been a major issue lately where there's just too much. I don't have time to process any of what I'm listening to. I don't have time to hear the motivations behind anything that I'm like, it's just so much and it just becomes an overwhelming din. I get nowhere. And I've tried really consciously in the last I guess just week, but it feels like longer because it's been great Mm -hmm. to, I mean, 
unplug, which we talk about all the time. Like not but, fill every single waking hour just, with <laughs> content entering your yeah, ear canals. How, bring it down to the people that I see every day and talk and listen to those people and read books and have some quiet time on my drive. I've just been listening to music or nothing. Ooh, that's like, a big I've difference. I've just been like, I haven't gone on Facebook at all. I haven't gone on Instagram or Twitter or like I just, you know, and there's certain amounts of like cultural responsibility where I will stay plugged in, but less mm -hmm. because I'm going to be more capable and I'm going to have my own processing that's going to make me more effective and more positive in the world if I am consuming less. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, what we listen to is an investment of our time, which is our most limited resource. So if we're not selective about that, we very quickly can become overwhelmed, especially in this culture that we're in with 50,000 feeds coming at us. Each one of those has a cost. It's an opportunity cost of what you could be Because it takes your to. energy. Well, what you and could be attention. listening to instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I mean, you're giving up moments of your life for that. I mean, time is pieces of your life. And if you're spending it in the wrong spot, like scrolling on something that is not adding to your life, just simply driven by curiosity or entertainment, there is a cost to that. Or addiction. Yeah, I think that's most of it. Uh -huh. Well, <laughs> I feel like I have a pretty significant data addiction. Both, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right, being mindful. I mean, you, you hear people talk about, you know, don't look at your phone. The first thing you do in the morning, people do it anyway. People do it anyway. They can't help it. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely addicted to it. And I mean, I still don't do it. I mean, I still look at it every once in a while. In the morning, I've tried really hard to discipline myself in the past two years to not look at my phone for the first hour that I'm awake and I'm doing a pretty good job of it most of the time. But sometimes I just can't help if I'm like, I've been thinking about this email I've been, I've been getting, like I've been waiting for or whatever it is, or, you know, you got texts and you, you kind of scan those, but man, I just think that the toll that it takes on us makes us less productive. We could be doing something instead of subjecting ourselves to information that is not adding anything to our lives. I made myself a weird little rule. When I do decide like, okay, I'm, I need a break. I'm going to hop online and just do the things we do online, whatever trash time. I do not do anything that has infinite scroll. Mm. So like I'll get on board game geek or something where like to continue reading, I have to click next. What used to be suddenly 27 minutes lost is more like five to 10, you know, because you're aware of your advancing it. Because it takes it, a manual action. Right. And you're still like interacting as a human. You're not just forever. Mm -hmm. And there's that break in the feed. It has made a big difference, actually. That makes me think about how it's becoming kind of a responsibility for people who create these things to almost program in features that slow people down on their devices. Well, because if we don't, then the industries are going to implode because they're so bad for mental health, mm -hmm. you know? 
I've always talked about wanting to be the type of brand that would make people turn off their social media, which is funny when I own a social media company, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to be the type of brand. We're going to kill it from within. That people consume (laughs) the content and it makes them more alive in their real life and not more delved into the virtual reality that is the platform that we're on. Mm -hmm. I have one more skill that I would love to share. Let me bestow upon you my knowledge and skills. I'll allow you to speak. Thank you for the gift. When someone tells me something that, and I listen and I hear, it still kind of goes against my integrity to be like, yes, I agree with you and I will do exactly what you say, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) I've developed this skill, Mark. What is it? Do you know what it is? I don't know where you're going. I hear your words. Okay, that response I use many times a day where it's like, all right, I know you're right. I'm not ready to admit it yet. You know, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to change yet, but I hear your words. And how do people respond to that? They've started using it back to me now. (laughs) And she hates it. But I get it. Okay, I respect it. And they respect it, too, because basically it means, okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to give you the gratification right now of telling you that you're right. Usually it comes out like, okay, okay, okay. I hear your words. I hear your words. That's mm-hmm. usually how it comes out. Because it, what it means is like, yes, 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 I get it. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know you're right. I honor that what you're saying is, is, is. <laughs> okay. And. Well, you just said something. <laughs> <laughs> I hear your words. I usually don't say that when I disagree with people. I usually say it when I'm just not quite ready to accept it. But that's been something that has kept me from many arguments, too. I don't feel like I have to defend myself. I don't feel like I have to conclude, like, wrap a conversation with a pretty bow on it. But, like, all right. Okay. It's another okay, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. I don't really know what I do. What do I do? I mean, the only person I ever get in arguments with is Mark. And that's because Mark's a safe place. (laughs) I'm so safe. You are. I don't know what I do to not get in arguments. Probably some variation of what you're describing. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging people, but Mm -hmm. without going further. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, it's, you know, it's it's essentially what you're saying. Like, I hear your words. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree, but I see what you're saying. I've heard you say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As we're going through design discussions and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Sometimes you have to be willing to let it go. Mm -hmm. I think is the bottom line. And... It being being right. Yeah, like your ego. Yeah, or whatever the high ground feels like to you in the moment or whatever that is. I think whatever that resistance is for somebody else feeling different than you, anytime you argue, that's probably when you should listen more. People just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Like as someone who for this company spent a couple years diffusing online negativity like 99% of the times, if you just acknowledge what the person said without being defensive or refuting it, like just those are valid points. Yeah. Or And even thank them. And and like, yeah, and then they're done. Mm -hmm. Like that's it, problem solved. Because people just want to be respected as a human being with a voice. And if you feed them by going point for point on whatever it is that they're saying, then it just feeds back. You know, Mm -hmm. it just creates this feedback loop that you can choose to transmute it with your response. It's the internet version of, okay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good skill. Uh, Is that all we're going to say to each other now? Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. On that note, I think it's really easy to feel compelled to defend 
yourself when it's really not necessary all the time. I think it's okay that other people don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you do something and 98 of your friends praise you for it and you got two people that just burn you to the ground for it, all you're thinking about is those two people and what they say and how they feel and how can you make it right and how can you fix it and how can you... And I think that's the wrong move. I think I think you should spend your time thinking about those 98 and just let the other two go. And that's a hard thing. Like, I grapple with that a lot, too. Giving those two people a quick moment of respect, too, and asking, are they right? Ooh. Like, are they the two people in my group with the guts to tell me the truth? Like, is there honesty in what they're saying? Maybe they're right because that's how they feel and that's their reality. And it has nothing to do with right or wrong at all. It's more like... This is what their feelings are validated. Actually, what you just said, I think something very, very, very important that we all as a people need to understand is other people's experiences are valid for them. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. their reality is true for them. No and monoliths. who are we to tell anyone that their experiences aren't real? Mm-hmm. So like, that was that was my point. Yes. You're 100% right. On your vein of, is it true? That's one thing that I ask my kids a lot when they're arguing is like, you know, the six-year-old will be picking on the eight-year-old. He said I was this and I'll just go, well, is it true? Are you really a stinker? (laughs) You might be. (laughs) That's all I want to talk about today. Fine, then we're done here. I guess we're done. I want to go go outside where there's air that you could breathe now. I'm I'm going to go raid Tom's olive jar. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Now that I've been given permission. Smell them first. <laughs> so there's old milk. Always a good idea. <laughs> is there old milk in there? I, I don't uh. know. I think that milk is since September 11th. All right. Well, good job, you three. <laughs> out of respect, <laughs> we, I can't throw it away. <laughs> you three did a great job today, introspecting on this. I'm always proud of you when you dig a little deep, and you just did a great job. You listened to each other. You listened to yourselves. You did so good today. Oh. I feel triggered. I don't know why. <laughs> I can see it. I can feel your resistance. Is there, I hate it. Attack something now? Like I, I just hate it. the rage. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed listening to us and you want to hear more from us, where can you find us, Derek? Uh, Gosh, on the internet. We love you. You can find us at Orange Nebula on... I'm just going to start saying it myself. I'm not trusting you all with this yeah, task anymore. We have not proven to you that you we can, can find us this task. At Orange- if you're on episode whatever of this podcast and you don't know where to find us... Yeah, that's fair. Like, Google it. Google it. Let's Google it for you. I don't even think I Orange type Nebula. URLs anymore. I just Google <laughs> the name of the company I want to go to, then I just click the Google link. How does the internet work? On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's a mystery. At Orange Nebula. You can find us at our Facebook groups, the Outpost Community Group, Vindication Board Game Group, the Unsettled Group. Derek's Secret Musical Group. Board Game Geek. I'm not even going to respond. I hear your words, Derek. And the website. And, of course, orangenebula.com. Sign up for our email newsletter. We're sending out plunder pod things. If you don't know what that is yet, you better sign up. Okay? It's free stuff. It's free stuff. Really low barrier to entry free stuff. Mm-hmm. It's awesome, actually. And good stuff. Free mm-hmm. stuff, good stuff. Mm-hmm. We hear your words. Okay. <laughs> we hear your entries. Listen up. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Listen everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, you three. I adore you all. And... That's all for today. Bam. We will talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Spooky, scary. Hate it. Hate it.
Put your nostrils where they belong, Mark. Where do they belong? Not in that shape. Stop. My nostrils are the perfect shape. Not when you do this flare thing with them. That's what they were made to do. That's their purpose in life is to flare. Not out of anger. I'm not angry. Manufactured for use. (laughs) 